What's going on, y'all? You are now tuned into the Gridiron Guys podcast with your boy, Sean Pesos. And your boy, Russ Digi. We just want to welcome you to our four-part series, State of the NFL. The main thing we want to talk about during this series is define and discuss the intersection between the NFL's corporate structure and society, specifically pertaining to discrimination based on race, gender, and sexual orientation. And in our first part, we're actually just talking about the overall state of the NFL, everything going on with COVID-19 to all of the issues that have happened over the past couple of months and years. So definitely tune in and we hope you enjoy. Knock on wood if you're with me. What's going on, everybody? I know you haven't heard this voice in minutes. You are now tuned into the Gridiron Guys podcast with your boy, Sean Pesos. And your boy, Russ Digi. Long time no see, sir. Yes, sir. Season two, we are back at it. Yeah, season two of a podcast. We're going to see if we have another season of football. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. We, we didn't expect this, you know, when we ended last season. Yeah, by no means did we expect this. But here we are. Yeah, definitely. So we've been removed from the draft. Super Bowl's over. You know, it's, yep. been, it's been the offseason. And my, my co-host here brought some things to the table that he wanted to discuss. So I'm going to let him take yep. over and, you know, get into it. All right, what's going on, everybody? Basically, I just wanted to talk about the state of the NFL in a loose form or loose fashion. And uh, just kind of going to a couple of things. And uh, this is going to be part one of possibly a four-part series because you never know. With us, too, we might find some other things that we want to bring up and having the freedom of a platform, we got the opportunity to change it up if we want to. Um, but basically, I wanted to start off with kind of figuring out how we feel about the state of the NFL with everything going around with COVID-19. So um, we can just get into it from there. And basically, I want to just start off by asking you personally, how do you feel about the NFL season starting? Do you think it's going to start? on time? Do you think it's going to be pushed back or happen at all? At one point in time, I was optimistic of it starting on time. Mm -hmm. This is like a few months ago, but as COVID-19 spread more and more and the cases got higher and higher, I started to lose hope. The hopelessness started to leave. I was like, okay, maybe this won't happen the way I thought it would. Mm -hmm. So, I'm, I'm optimistic still, but it's waning at this point. Yeah, I think think when it comes to me, man, I'm not necessarily what you would call a pessimist. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't lean to the side of optimism unless I'm just talking about my frame of mind. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to things that's just going on in the world, I, I just try to be a real, whatever that may mean to some people. But what it means to me is I look at the facts and I kind of observe what's going on from every angle. And then I just put myself in a worst case scenario. What would I do type situation? Mm -hmm. I feel like when it came to the NFL, I don't know if they really had a, a plan of action that they were actually bringing forth or if they were just holding their cards close to the vest, but they never really stated what they wanted to do. In other sports, you heard different things. Like, of course, in the NBA, you hear about the bubble. In the UFC, they've been trying to adjust first by taking fans out of it all the way up to this past weekend where they had a fight island in Abu Dhabi. And they're basically having a bubble-like situation abroad. Mm -hmm. So with the NFL, is different because the only real information that we got was, okay, we're canceling the Hall of Fame game, we're cutting the first two preseason games, and we're starting the preseason on August 20th, no, which is crazy. Actually, just sorry to cut you off. They didn't cut the first two. They cut the first and the... 
third, I believe. Well, yeah, my bad. They cut two preseason games, but it's being actually pushed back to like where the third one would start. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. But it's a weird plan to me because it's like I would like to understand what they think that they can accomplish with all of those people on the staff, not including the 53-man roster, so forth and so on. Like, you got trainers, doctors, equipment managers. Like, if you just underestimated how many people are on an NFL roster, if you just lowballed it at 200 people, right, just like the roster and the staff, for 32 teams, man, that's 5,400 people. That's 6,400 people. You can't have that in a bubble. And that's not counting the camera crews in each stadium. Oh, yeah. That's why I said low ball, but you, you're 100% correct. And you're going to have to have camera crews because you're talking about, you know, how you're not going to have fans in attendance. So the first thing I heard was... Um, can we can we stop right there with the fan part of it? Oh, yeah. Because I, sure. I wanted to add something to it because... I had plans of going to a preseason game. It would have been the second preseason game, the Bills versus the Falcons here. Oh, man. And when they so when they said they were cutting two of the preseason games, I was concerned. But then they said mm-hmm. they're cutting week one and week three. I'm like, okay, we're still good to go. But yeah. as of last week, I called the Buffalo Bills directly. Like, hey, are we going to be allowed to be in the stadium? Because New York State mm-hmm. guidelines are like, Nobody's allowed in the stadium. No fans. Oh, wow. Just team personnel and teams. That's it. Okay. But I heard Roger Goodell say that it's up to the specific teams on what they wanted to do as far as fan capacity. And nobody here has an idea of what's going on. And we're about a month away from this game. Yeah, that's very interesting. Talking to my dad, he's using tickets to the Saints just because he likes football. That ain't even his main squad. Mm-hmm. And the first thing they said was they were taking out the first eight rows. They were just blocking that off for social distancing. Yeah, I also heard and that he here, was, too. Yeah, he wasn't interested in going at all. He's mm-hmm. like, man, I'm not messing with that at all. And then I heard the Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe they were the first team to say that they were only going to fill the stands up to 25% capacity. And then I heard a couple of other teams were rumored to to kind of adopt that same policy. But in, in my, from my understanding, I don't really understand how you're going to still have adequate social distancing when you have the restrooms, the concessions, and things of that nature when people are going to come in contact with each other. So um, Unless you have information, like, like somebody watching you, like a doorman, I mean, sort of. I mean, but still, I mean, at what point in time are you going to just tell somebody they can't go to the restroom? Like, that's crazy. Yeah, that is. <laughs> you know, no, nah, it's already four people in there. Somebody's just like, I'm going. What you gonna do? Touching <laughs> social right. distancing, right? But um, the information that you're relaying is is actually very interesting because that's my point. Like the NFL isn't really giving us any kind of concrete leadership on what direction they want to go in, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that the fans need to know because these preseason games are considered regular season regular. Like that's regular season ticket prices, even though you don't get the quote unquote same quality of game. So, Actually, um, the preseason, at least the preseason game with the Bills, are typically cheaper than regular season. But it, but that counts towards season ticket holders, yeah, not necessarily true. like your, yeah, like I don't mean your sale for the person that's buying an individual game, but just mm-hmm. how they allocate their funds for those seats that are already taken. Yeah, that's true. So that's usually somebody that's already a season ticket holder offering that ticket just to make a little money back, right? For a game they wouldn't go to anyway, but. That leads kind of like into, you know, the next thing that I wanted to kind of get a feeling on is just how do you feel about 
the whole state of the game if they were to occur that way? Like, how do you feel about watching football with, you know, no fans or just a limited capacity, which would be like 25%, which is crazy. My thing is, what does 25% capacity look like? What, like, what specific <laughs> number of fans is that? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I get where you're going with it, and I think that you're, I think you're going along the lines of this. Let's say it's a it's a fifty thousand stadium capacity. That's like twelve thousand five hundred fans. But how are they spread out amongst the stadium? Right. How are you? That how are you implementing question. social? How are you implementing social distancing? And I don't know if you um watch a lot of track and field, but I'm kind of like a little track nerd on the side. Mm-hmm. And they had this thing called the Inspiration Games that happened this past weekend, and so. They had people in the USA, people in Zurich, people in the Netherlands, wherever they were from, they were racing on the track pretty much alone. Mm-hmm. And they would sync up the clock and then everybody would run their race in their respective, you know, place on the track at the same time. So like Allison Felix was racing another woman that was in Switzerland, mm-hmm. but Allison Felix is in the US. Well, in the stands, <laughs> they had people in there, but between the people, they had cardboard cutouts. It's like fake fans to make it look full, like in the first 10 rows. That's, I thought it was hilarious. It's kind of smart, but I don't know how effective it is. that is. <laughs> it, it, it's smart, but it looks crazy. You yeah. know what I mean? But as far as your question of how the, the games will look, I mean, let's be honest. Some of these teams don't have fans in the stands anyway. Right. So, I, I mean, mean <laughs> not a real shot, but really a shot. <laughs> You're it, right. It's just true. It's true. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, definitely. I'm just thinking of these preseason games. These aren't really full games. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've been yeah. to preseason games where it's been mainly empty. Yeah. So it wouldn't be a big shock to me to have no fans. Only thing is, it wouldn't be a home field advantage for the for like a dome team like the Saints or the Falcons or exactly. Colts or somebody like that who relies on that, on that, mm-hmm. that fan like to get them going. Exactly. And that's and that's a key point. That's that's one of the major things that happens when you don't have fans in the stands. One, you don't have that crowd noise, and that crowd influence is less of an advantage, especially when you're talking about, say, for instance, your home field, and um, you usually have an advantage for being loud, so the offense can't hear a lot of plays when you're on defense. That's not going to fly anymore. Those people can call their plays and hear everything just fine, you know, if you're reduced by 75%. In addition to that, I feel like a lot of the players, I was watching this, I was watching Odell Beckham's YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and he had a panel, not really a panel, but just a discussion at a table with wine and cigars, you know, they're trying to do it classy or whatever. <laughs> it was Odell, Cam Newton, Victor Cruz, and Todd Gurley. Mm-hmm. And they were all just discussing everything that was going on. But of course, the three players that are current, Odell Beckham, Todd Gurley, and Cam Newton, they're all coming back from injury. And Todd Gurley, of course, you know, because that's your new running back. And Cam Newton are on a new team. And so it's kind of like a bounce back year. And they were just talking about training while being injured, how that affected them in free agency. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, playing in front of the fans, how that affect them. And Odell Beckham was honest. He said he doesn't necessarily play for the fans, but more so than anything, he plays for, for the people to kind of like inspire the people and they drive him and give him energy. Mm-hmm. And a part of that's going to be lost. Yeah. And Todd Gurley, he kept it real gangster. He was just like, look, man, I train by myself. Football is football. It'll handle itself. When I get out on that field, I'm going to be me. Listen, like, I'm not I'm mad never, at that statement. He said, I haven't trained. He said, I haven't trained this much in my entire life. You know what I mean? And it was like, he said, the biggest adjustment was just moving to Atlanta 
and, you know, getting ingratiated with the community and giving back and doing things like that. But it's just all been hard during COVID. But the training portion and the playing of the game is is something that he's not worried about at all because of football. And he's been doing this in football for a long time. I get that. And Cam Newton, he was kind of like playing both sides a little bit. Not that he was wishy-washy or anything. I think he just saw it both ways. And then you know how you're influenced after you hear the way somebody else expresses an idea. So I think Ty Gurley kind of pumped him up into feeling like, you know, I'm going to go out there and do what I do. But, um, yeah, it's just going to be interesting. I think in a lot of situations, we've all played sports too. Even if it's just on a recreational level, it's a certain person that you might play on the field and when it's just all y'all or if you're playing on the court and it's just all y'all, he's a dog. But if he's in front of a lot of people, he doesn't play the same way. You know, yeah. some of these athletes have nerves that, that affect them in a negative way. And some of them have nerves that affect them in a positive way. I think some of those roles will reverse and kind of even the playing field. A lot of those people who are normally nervous because it's a lot of people out there, they're not worried about the crowd if there's no fans. Even though they know they're on TV, there's nobody to look up. There's nobody booing. So okay. that could play as an advantage to some people too. That could. It could go both <laughs> ways on that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just, just kind of wrapping things up on that. And I'm hoping that the season starts, to be honest with you. I would love to see that, but I just don't think it will because I don't see a way medically unless this thing starts dying down, which is at the time that we're talking right now, it's not. It is actually you know, where increasing at this time right now. Exactly. So um, I think that uh, they may just have to, you know, think about player safety and think about the safety of the community, man, and kind of push things back. But hopefully, hopefully we'll have a season. You triggered me just now. You said player safety. Yeah. That's something that the NFL doesn't really advocate. They say they advocate for it, but have a stark, stark disagreement with that because I don't feel they advocate for player safety like they say they do. Mm-hmm. Speak on it. And I will speak to concussions. Okay. I know concussions kind of fell by the wayside. Nobody's really bringing it up now. The NFL claims that they've been doing a better job with that. Mm-hmm. But as recently as 2018, and even before that, 2015, I have two examples that I want to share that would disagree with that. So in 2015, Case Keenum was with the Rams playing against the Ravens, and he was concussed at the end of the game. Mm. Now, when you have a concussion, you typically go get checked out under the tent, and if you're not cleared, you you go back to the locker room. Right. But for whatever reason, they cleared him under the tent and sent him back out there, even though he was in no condition to go back out there. Wow. He ended up getting hit again and fumbling, costing them the game. Mm. So I don't know if they did that to try to win the game. Maybe that was their best shot to win. But they did, <laughs> they thought about winning first and the player second. Mm-hmm. And with speaking of Cam, Cam in 2018 was playing against the Saints in the playoffs was concussed and he had the same deal happen where he was cleared in a matter of five minutes and sent back out on the field mm-hmm. and they ultimately end up losing the game. So my thing is how do you advocate player safety, but yet you don't follow behind that. You don't follow through with that. Mm-hmm. I like, think the biggest, Oh, my fault. Go ahead. No, I was saying you say one thing and then do another. It's not really adding up. Yeah, for sure. I think the NFL um, is a very reactionary league. And in that, they try to remedy all of the problems and all of the criticisms at the time where the heat 
or the fire is the hottest. So like the biggest thing about the whole concussion situation, I think in my mind was if you could get it out of sight and out of mind or make it at least look like people are doing something about it, people will forget about it. And to your point, in a way, people have kind of forgotten about it because you don't hear it. It's not highlighted as much anymore. It's almost like equivalent to a don't ask, don't tell situation. I remember they used to report when people had concussions on the ticks. Now you'll hear about it as a blip in the highlights, possibly. And when they say it, they don't even print it on the screen. They'll say, uh, so-and-so was hit. Um, they're undergoing a concussion protocol. We'll check back in the middle of the week to see where they stand. And usually the concussion protocol is just like an entire week. And usually if it happened on a game day, you're not supposed to be ready the next game day if it's a Sunday. That's mm-hmm. different if you know you're leading into a bye week or you play on a Wednesday. I mean, not a Wednesday, a Thursday night game. And then you don't play into the, the following Sunday where you have 10 days. That's more realistic. But uh, I think the, the lawsuit, the media coverage, the concussion movie with Will Smith, I think a lot of that played a role as to how they talk about it. Yeah. And that, and that kind of leads to a lot of the discussions that we're going to have throughout, you know, not just this episode, but just the series in general of how the, the NFL operates as a league. And I don't know if you want to directly point that to Roger Goodell or if that's direction from the ownership. No, I can actually <laughs> point to before Roger Goodell, because I was reading today mm-hmm. Terrell Davis, that used to play for the Broncos, mm-hmm. started running back, one of the faces of the league. When they played mm-hmm. the Packers in the Super Bowl, he had a migraine attack. And he couldn't see. Oh, yeah. His vision was blurry, but yet he was out there taking hits. But see, that was a different culture. It was a different league, too. You know what I mean? Like, not that it wasn't a problem. It was just more prevalent and more of a man-up situation. The only thing I'm speaking of when I say the NFL being reactionary in today's time is like, even when it Anything, all the all the topics that we're going to eventually get to, whether it has to deal with, you know, domestic violence, whether it has to deal with race or anything, they're very reactionary. And they're, player they're safety is one of those things. Correct. Yep. So, and I don't know if that comes from Roger Goodell or if that comes from the advisement of the owners. I tend to believe it's a bit of both, to be honest with you. Well, I used to believe that, man, but if <laughs> I tell you what, I'm not even going to get into it. Once we get into the next topic, that's when I'll bring up my point because there's something about Roger Goodell that, I, that I'm that i starting to notice that I think he's been get, catching a lot of blame for things. He's been used as a, as a shield, but his actions or his words and his demeanor about things seem a little different. Okay. Well, let's get into that then. Kittle makes the catch. Diving for the end zone. He's in. Touchdown, San Francisco. The biggest thing that's probably been going on outside of COVID-19 in the year 2020 is the rise of emphasis and acknowledgement on social issues regarding racism. Uh, we've had a lot of issues going on that were highlighted by the, the attention that was brought to the death of Ahmaud Arbery, the death of Breonna Taylor, and then it all culminated and seemed to come to a head with the death of George Floyd. All that most of the people in the black community consider murders. And we, we definitely pray for the families, those victims, and we hopefully will get justice for all of this. But the main thing about it is the NFL's stance on social issues. So I guess we can go back to, there's been social issues in the NFL that they've had to deal with over the course of the years. 
But the most prevalent one, of course, is the national anthem, quote unquote, protest dealing with Colin Kaepernick and how the NFL handled that particular protest at the time, which was a peaceful protest, and how they react to it now. Just to start off the conversation and kind of get a feeling of how you feel about things, I just want to start with the whole Colin Kaepernick thing in the beginning. And when I say thing, I don't necessarily mean it to demean it. I mean, just like everything surrounding it at the time, how did you feel about what was going on? Once I understood what his point was and what his message was, I was like, okay, I'm with it. Mm -hmm. But the way they flipped the narrative to be about the flag and the military is what I didn't like. And the NFL did a, a poor job of differentiating that. Like, hey, it's not about this. It's about that. Right. It seems like to me, the NFL is like, you know what? We're going to stay silent on this because we don't want to lose out on money. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to take either side. We're just going to be neutral. Exactly. Which then the sports media in turn actually helped flip the narrative, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. you had a lot of these pundits like, yeah, it's about the flag. How can he disrespect the country like that? You know, they never really highlighted the actual cause that he was kneeling for. Right. Outside of maybe the Stephen A's of the world. But even he mm-hmm. specifically wasn't really like, yeah, I'm for this. Exactly. So it was, a, for lack of a better term, a shit show on how they handled it at the time. I agree with that. I agree. I think in the beginning with Colin Kaepernick's protest, I, of course, I'm a 49er fan. I have a Colin Kaepernick jersey. So it was it was something that was in my face early. The craziest part about the protest is that it was so peaceful that the first time that it happened, they had to get some aerial B-roll camera footage of him actually not standing and just sitting on the bench. Yeah. And I think that's where everything kind of starts for me. It's like this man was just sitting on the bench by himself, not necessarily making a big deal out of it. It wasn't until Nate Boyer, a former serviceman who also played in the NFL for a short stint, came to him and told him that, you know, it was disrespectful or he felt that it was disrespectful. And from a truth standpoint, it would be more respectful to kneel if you're going to kneel and protest, right? Because that's what people do to honor something. Like, you know what I mean? Um, it happens in kneeling. the Catholic Church. Right. It also happens in the Catholic Church. People kneel before God, kneel before the cross, so forth and so on. I'm not going to get religious on people. But at the end of the day, they they always neglected to highlight how peaceful the protest was and how Colin Kaepernick was trying to actually compromise with the league and with society as he was trying to bring forth these issues during an election year, right? And so that's the thing about the NFL stance on social issues that's so big. It's like it plays right into the whole thing of them being reactionary. And at the time, I felt like Roger Goodell took a lot of those arrows, a lot of those bullets, and a lot of those hits because he was a spokesperson. But when you look at how these NFL owners right now are so are so silent about things at the moment, and Roger Goodell is so vocal, whether it was working with the Players Coalition, whether it was working with Jay-Z and Rock Nation, whether it was actually coming out and speaking to Colin Kaepernick's protest four years later, it's like he's trying to do something, but at, at, at some point, it's only so much he can say. And I know a lot of those are because of legal reasons, because they actually have a settlement. But at the other end, I think he's kind of 
you know, he's got his hands tied with the ownership. So I just, I just kind of feel like it's a, it's a weird situation, but I'm hoping that things improve, but you can't improve without, you know, going through that fire initially. I just wish so, that they would have like, they, they, they publicly apologized, but they never publicly mm-hmm. apologized to Colin specifically. And I think part of that is because if you realize what happened with the lawsuit, the main thing about the lawsuit was that they were blackballing him for lack of a better term. You know what I mean? Like they were, they were basically trying to keep this man out of the lead. And in a way I feel like an apology is almost like an admission of guilt, you know, which would have a lot to do with what that settlement might be and how much they can actually speak on it. And I feel like Roger Goodell tried to apologize in code, not shooting him any bail or anything like that, but just, it feels that way. If it didn't feel that way, I wouldn't say it, but it feels that way to me. How do you feel about it? I feel he was trying to save face. Like we might not mention Colin, but yeah, we apologize. We, we knew what he was doing was, you know, for a good cause, but we didn't want to admit to it then, but we're going to admit to it now. To make everybody <laughs> seem like, you know, hey, we're on the same accord here. Yeah. So that leads me into something else that happened over the summer. When Drew Brees made the comments about uh flag and how he didn't like any disrespect of the flag uh, on Yahoo Finance, of all places, to have an interview and bring that up. How did you feel about it? I mean, I know how you feel about the Saints. <laughs> no, th- this, <laughs> and I know this, you thing about, this thing about, you know, this is not even football related. And I right, a, right, right, for sure. I, I for had an sure. online argument about this, and I specifically said this is bigger than just football. Definitely, definitely. But how I felt at the time, I'm like, come on, Drew, you should know better than this. You're in a predominantly black city with predominantly yeah. black teammates, and you do a lot for the community. You should know better mm-hmm. than this. But as I was made to see, he's in a bubble. Speaking of bubbles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's in a bubble where he doesn't, deal with that on the everyday basis. Yeah, he's in the community, but it's not something he faces every day he wakes up. So when he sees that flag, he only sees a certain image. Mm-hmm. But when he said it feels disrespectful to his grandparents, I thought about <laughs> my relatives and, you know, who fought in the war. Exactly. And had, and had to come home to scrutiny and almost certain death at some point exactly. in America. So I'm like, how can you say it's disrespectful to your grandparents when your grandparents fought with people who didn't come home to the same love? Exactly. Exactly. 100%. You know, when I first heard the comment, I just couldn't believe he was that tone deaf. You know, a lot of times I try not to go around this world thinking that people are as stupid as they are. You know what I mean? And what I mean by stupid, I don't necessarily mean by the opinions that you have but just not understanding the climate and not understanding what you can and cannot say without catching major heat and major scrutiny, right? It's bigger than just, you know, talking about racism. You could talk about the LGBTQ community. You could talk about foreign affairs. You could talk about a lot of things, but certain things you just, the way you say it and the way you attack it, you know it's coming with some heat in this climate. And I just took him for being around so many black people is understanding that that's the last thing he should be saying before really having that kind of discussion with everybody. And so more so than anything, I thought it was dumb on his part, but I definitely appreciated the fact that he was trying to learn, trying to walk it back. Because when you catch heat and you double down, that's when I can't really rock with you. You know what I mean? 
I can't I can't rock with the person who doesn't see the error in their ways or at least wants to hear the side of the other people. And whether you change your mind or not is one thing. Some people look at that as pandering. I don't necessarily look at it that way, but uh, I thought it was very interesting. <laughs> see, with you saying that, I'm kind of like, should you really know? Yes, you want to know, but you've been around enough. You've seen enough on TV to understand, like, hey, this is wrong. Especially when Colin came out and said that the protest was not about this flag or the military. So how can you visually see that and then ignore that and say it's still about the flag and the military? Because at the end of the day, he's not black. And sometimes what people tend to do is they hold on to their own sensibilities and how they were raised as tight as they hold on to religion or other morals or other values. And it's no different than us being men hearing the plight of a woman and not truly understanding it, but taking a position of logic and listening and understanding over time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The way we used to approach women 10 years ago may not be the way that we approach women today. And that's not me casting any aspersions on you. That's just me saying men as a whole, right? We definitely grew from where we were. We we evolved. Exactly. Well, some of us have evolved, but that's... Yeah, and and some don't. And it's, it's the same thing with race, right? Mm-hmm. Some white people have definitely grown, you know what I mean? And some just won't grow and some are still in the process of growing. And so you, you also have to allow them to be able to make a mistake and try to atone for that mistake if they feel it's one, right? Right. And so, you know, with the Drew Brees situation, it's not a no harm, no foul thing, but it's like I'm willing to move on if you're ready to do the work and you feel like you understand you know, where you went wrong. Because the point that you made, I think, is the biggest point. The point is, yes, your grandfather, yes, your father fought in that military. In the beginning of this country, black people were were forced to fight in certain wars. And then that led to them voluntarily fighting, only to not have the same freedoms that they were fighting for, as you stated so eloquently in the beginning. So that's my take on the Drew Brees situation. But when everything surrounding the anthem, the one thing that I... (laughs) The one thing that I did find funny is when they said that they were going to start the playing of the Black National Anthem, lift every voice and sing before the, uh, each game in week one. Now, this is where they lost me. Right now. <laughs> they lost me right here. Because I'll be honest. I'll be transparent. I don't know the, the Black National Anthem. Bro, me neither. I mean, I know it, but I don't know the word. I know lift every voice and sing and then something, something, heaven ring. That's pretty much it. I'm going to be honest. I know my black card is probably like on revoke right now, but I'm going to be honest. Nah, man, that's a that, that's a non-revocation right there, man. Hey, I think 75% of the black people, and I'm just throwing an arbitrary number out there, don't know the word, word for word, you know? And I'm like, the black national anthem was not what we asked for. We didn't ask for that to be sung at the beginning of every game. We're right. Fo- we're focusing on police brutality, brutality specifically. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get that handled. The Black National Anthem is not going to change that. I agree. What I will say is that when people protest, when people acknowledge, uh, when people when people air their grievances, sometimes that acknowledgement is going to come back in some of the most word-for-word form that you're going to get, right? It's like, man, y'all not giving us enough food. Okay, we're about to give you some food. That's not what I mean. When they say that National Anthem, the Star Spangled Banner doesn't speak to us or it has a racist third stanza that's not sung, so forth and so on. The NFL was thinking, what anthem do you want us to sing? Right. <laughs> what, what anthem can we play? Well, 
because people have dubbed Lift Every Voice and Sing the Black National Anthem, which I don't know how that happened because I was a child when all that happened. Uh, that's, that's just a, a, one of the many things that I think they were trying to do to appease black people. And so I didn't find it offensive as much as I did point. That's what know? I felt. I felt it was pointless. But even yeah, speaking so. of the anthem in the military, that wasn't even a thing, say, 15 years ago. This is fairly new. Right, right. So what are we really trying to accomplish here is my question. Yeah, I mean, that, that I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think if there was more of a focus on, you know, the recent deaths of Ahmaud Arbery, uh, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd, and others, but specifically those three, because I feel like those are the ones that kind of kicked off a lot of the protests again in 2020 that actually brought some attention and and it seems like it's brought some early change to at least the tone and the conversations that are had in media around black issues, whether it's police brutality, of course, first and foremost. But in addition to that, just the treatment of black people in this society in the in the acknowledgement of the things that we've gone through. So hopefully the NFL has a constant effort that they're gonna put into that. That's why I couldn't I couldn't be too mad at Jay Z for trying to do anything at the time that he did it because it became a time of action. Mm -hmm. And so in addition to the things that we're hearing now, we need that action in the background to start happening more and more. So hopefully, you know, we can see that. It's a wait and see approach at this point. Definitely. Like I said, the only thing that I've definitely noticed over the, over the course course of the past two weeks and, you know, months, I should say, is the tone is different, you know? The tone is just different, and I and I can appreciate that because you need some progress. You don't necessarily need, you know, I, we don't have to be satisfied at this point. But we need I'm to start. We need yeah, to start I'm, somewhere. Yep, I'm I'm always big on acknowledging progress because that that keeps people engaged, man. Like you know, you want equality. You know, you 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 want to have white people and people of all nationalities, races, creeds, religions to be on one accord insofar as trying to make things equal. So you got to give people credit. So white people out here trying, you can't sit up there and, you know, be like, you're not doing enough, you know? Yeah, some of those people weren't doing anything about two years ago. So you got to give them credit. Exactly, exactly. So um, speaking of which, uh, we've had some recent news regarding Deshaun Jackson and comments that weren't necessarily comments that he made, but more more so uh, sharing and being that he plays plays for the Eagles now it puts that team in a conundrum and it also puts this whole scope of how do you handle situations like this in this weird circle considering Riley Cooper in 2013 was caught using the n-word I'm a chill with the <laughs> hard kid. ER Oh, yeah, with the hard ER <laughs> at a Kenny Chesney concert. I believe his, his direct quote, I'm paraphrasing, was, I'll jump over this fence and slap every end over there, which not only was a form of racism, but it was a form of assault. There's but anyway, violent. I digress. I want to start at a place of accountability. So overall, how do you feel about Deshaun Jackson's comments? And then you can kind of correlated to Riley Cooper or however you feel. Well, one, his comments are wrong starting off. That's, mm-hmm. it was, wrong is wrong, no matter where it's right. from. Considering the fact that Hitler didn't like blacks either, that was surprising <laughs> to me. I'm like, wait a minute, bro. This is, right. this, this is not the guy you're going to quote. 
Right. I know you did it for motivational purposes, but this you missed with this one. Exactly. And then I'm not going to shoot him some bail, but being black myself, sometimes we don't always see someone else's plight. Like, mm-hmm. we don't see the Jewish plight. I mean, I did because my godfather was Jewish, but everybody doesn't have that. Right. Just like we don't see the Hispanic plight or, you know, poor white plight because I know they had plight too. Mm-hmm. So we don't always necessarily see what's going on in everybody else's backyard. So we can only focus on us. And mm-hmm. I guarantee you, had this been another player saying something against blacks, it would have been mm-hmm. an outrage, like For a, sure. a sweltering of, of, of racist this, racist that. For sure. But the treatment that he's getting is outlandish. Well, I won't even say it's outlandish. It's just unfair. In what way? Because speaking of Riley Cooper... He never got, only thing he got was a fine. Never got suspended. He basically got a slap on the wrist. And then after that 2013 season, heading into mm-hmm. 2014, he got an mm-hmm. extension for $25 million. Right. So it's He like, had sensitivity training too. <laughs> what, whatever that is. Still trying to figure that one out. Right. But you basically come out of this unscathed and we give you more money. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Jackson, on the other hand, has been "quote unquote" punished by the Eagles, but those punishments weren't made public. Right. And now I'm seeing online that people want him suspended or cut from the Eagles behind this. Mm. But I specifically don't remember any of this kind of outrage when Riley mm-hmm. Cooper said what he said. Right. So I'm just trying to figure where is where's the line? Where do we draw yeah, the hope. line at outrage? Yeah, I, I agree with you in that regard. When I first heard about the the situation, um, I was actually going back with our uh, back and forth with my cousin and producer Chief, and uh, we were trying to figure out exactly what was the quote because this also leaked into the NBA in a way when a former player Stephen Jackson backed him up, and we were just kind of trying to figure out what it was that he said. So Chief found the actual clip from the story. So this mm-hmm. was posted to his like IG story, but it's like highlighted pages. And the only reason why I bring that up is because in some ways, man, when people say certain things, they're speaking from their heart, right? Mm-hmm. But when you read things and you learn stuff for the first time, you ever know one of those people, and, and you may be one of these people, this isn't a criticism, but you ever notice somebody that like, as soon as they get some information, they're so happy and eager that they learn something new that they want to tell somebody or express it. They want to share it. Mm -hmm. I look at this in that way and definitely it's stupid because it goes back to the Drew Brees thing, right? Where you can't be tone deaf, right? As soon as you see Adolf Hitler, you know that's a bad dude, right? That's not the place you should be. You know, no matter how ignorant you are to what he actually did and the specifics of what he did, you know that's a bad guy. And so, at that point in time, when you're learning or when you're reading this paragraph that you believe is inspirational to your people and you see that it comes from Hitler, you definitely have to go do your research if you don't know who Hitler is before you go ahead and put this out to the world. My thing is, he's not making a speech, you know, and he's not just saying something reckless on video. He's just showing people something in his story is to say, open your eyes to X, Y, and Z. Right, wrong, or indifferent. My whole reason for saying that is totally different than what Rodney Cooper was saying, did. And what he said was in his heart at the time, right? And it could you know, well still be. We don't know. It, it could be. And it could have been a mistake. But at that moment, at that time, whatever happened, whoever pissed him off, 
he wanted to jump over the fence and go harm that person. And in the process of using that, he was so mad, he used a racial slur. And that's the difference between those two issues. And that's the hypocrisy of the NFL that I don't like, right? And that's the biggest thing that, that gets on my nerves. I'm not mad at them finding Deshaun Jackson. I'm not mad if they necessarily want to spend him, suspend him. I think cutting him is a little is a little harsh, you know, only because the man is trying to do work right now, learning, you know, why what he said was so ignorant. And so in that process, he's showing you his heart. He's showing you that, hey, man, listen, I made a mistake. I realize I made a mistake. Now I'm going to try to get properly educated on it. If you want to go ahead, suspend them, suspend them. If you want to find them, which they already probably did, that's cool too. But cutting them mm, seems a little excessive. Well, the cutting part was coming from fans <clears throat> and people online. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not saying they're going to. I'm just saying the, the mentality behind it. Yeah. Right. But I think there's a there's a lot of things that happened over the course of the past few years regarding players in the NFL, white players, to be honest, that shows that disparity, right? He had the situation with Richie Incognito in which he was frequently using the N-word and taunting Jonathan Martin to the point where Jonathan Martin was ready to do harm to Richie and or himself and was eventually traded to the 49ers while Richie was cut, right? Didn't he and punch so, somebody in the face and shatter your eye socket? Well, that, I think that's a totally different situation, right? He was already a problem. That's what I'm right? saying. In the league. He was already a problem, but that the issue in the culture that he had, you know, created in that particular locker room was something else. And my only my only reason for bringing him up is because he was allowed to come back in the NFL, play for the play. I believe he played for the Bills at that time. He did. It was praised for his play on the field. And so my thing is, when you had players like Adam Pacman Jones and and other players that that were quote unquote a problem, Plexico these guys were doing things. <laughs> these dudes were doing things in the street. This was something that could be handled by the law. This was happening right in your house. This is workplace harassment. If we were at work and we said any of this stuff, we would be fired and wouldn't have any grievance of even getting unemployment, right? Right. If you can't just go in there and speak with few races and that's harassment. And so I just find it, I find it interesting that the hypocrisy in the NFL when it comes to the Richie Incognito situation, or even more recently, Jake Fromm, who ironically was drafted by the Buffalo Bills. Wait, wait, and, wait. And, and Josh Allen, him too. <laughs> right. So it's, it's, it's a wild hypocrisy that they have going on in the NFL, and I hope that these this new tone that we have surrounding all of the issues with race in our country it's going to create a new tone. And unfortunately, Deshaun Jackson may have to be the first person to really understand the new tone that they're trying to create in the NFL. But as long as they stay consistent, I don't have a problem. Well, if they can get to that and then get to the abusiveness of some of their players, then we'd be all good to go. Mm-hmm. You know, because Adrian Peterson got hell for being right. his own child. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, Josh Brown, former kicker for the Giants, was mm-hmm. basically allowed to go free, in a sense. Right, and this was post Ray Rice. Correct. This is post Ray Rice, so there's a direct correlation of you know black men looking like these hulking, menacing individuals creating violence in society. Meanwhile, this man's wife is crying for help, saying that she's living in terror and fear at the Pro and, Bowl of all places. Right. So again. 
when we talk about the hypocrisy of the NFL, that's the main focus that, that I think they need to work on and hopefully having some other people involved, they can kind of start moving in the, in the right direction. Hopefully. Another wait and see approach. <laughs> yeah, definitely a wait and see approach. <laughs> I think the, the, the funny part about the whole wait and see approach is, again, Roger Goodell is the one that seems to be doing all of the talking. But how do you feel about the lack of ownership speaking up about what's going on, especially since they've been highlighting it here recently, Jerry Jones? One of the people that's love, he just loves to be in the media out of all the owners. He loves to be in the media. How do you feel about that? Well, I'm not really surprised with Jerry Jones. If it doesn't concern the Cowboys directly, he doesn't care. I knew that a while ago. <clears throat> but as far as some of these other owners, I'm not really surprised either. The owner of the Texans, I'm not surprised with him. Yeah. The owner of the Titans, I'm not surprised with him. Mm-hmm. The owner of the Washington squad, which we'll talk about in a minute, I'm really not surprised with him. But there are some owners <laughs> speaking up. Yeah. Like Arthur Blank has spoken up, has, you know, donated money and all of that. Yeah. But Jerry Jones, I'm not really surprised. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'll allow someone like a Greg Hardy to play yeah. on his team. As long as it helps the team win, that's all that matters to him. And that's how I view it too, man. I think he is all about the almighty dollar. And when people understand that about him, they'll stop asking a lot of questions. They'll stop asking certain things of him. And it's up to you to support him, whether you're a black player on his team or you're a black fan of his organization. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, that's, that's what it is for him. There's, there's different owners. Like you said, Arthur Blank is one who stepped up and donated money. The 49ers have, Jed York hasn't released like a, particular statement per se Mm. but they put things out on social media and being that they were the ones that not even cut Colin Kaepernick when all this was going on his support seems to be consistent with the support that he always shows it's a behind the scenes I'm not gonna say much but I understand and he's a fairly young owner I think he's only older than me by maybe two or three years Mm. so you know he's definitely young he was uh, Eddie DeBartolo's nephew so okay. Eddie DeBartolo's sister married John York, I believe. And so that's why Jed York's last name is York, but it's still all in the family. Right. So, um, yeah, man, I think, I think when it comes to Jerry Jones, man, you know what it is. There's, there's going to be a point in time where someone's going to ask him about that and his reaction to it will show me how shrewd he is. But being that he's had time to prepare for it, I, I definitely feel that he'll probably, you know, have a prepared answer or a way to navigate through that question. Unfortunately, I think it's going to take one of Jerry Jones's players to be a victim for him to really say something. Well, yeah, he has a couple of players. And I mean, you know, Gerald McCoy, he, he is not like a lifelong cowboy or anything, but he, he's spoken up and he said his piece. But he has a, a lot of players that I don't want to call them yes men. I don't like, you know, they, the they fall in line. Yeah, they, they definitely do. And so it'll be interesting to see how, how this stuff plays out because. I don't think he has the type of players in that locker room that, at least the ones with the cachet, the Dax, the Zeeks, you know what I mean? Yeah, the they, they aren't really the, the speak out type yeah. of Yeah. So he kind of has like the, the best cover in the world when it comes to those players. Yeah. Because, so, you know, a uh, player that would have said something is now no longer in the league. Yeah. Yeah. Dez Bryant. Yeah. I mean, definitely. So. He talked so much. He got, he talked himself out of the league. <laughs> yeah, that's sad. Which is unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but that's that's the truth. That man, so he spoke his mind. But you know, speaking of the Cowboys, we can definitely speak uh speak about their rival in the news that's come out this week on Monday. The team officially stated that they will retire the name of 
the red skin and uh, the logo as well. And they will reveal a new a new name soon. But it's been a long time coming with that situation. And being that I'm in the DMV area, even though I'm not part of the V that they consider the V, which is Northern Virginia, <clears throat> it's all the same, man. Well, you're not At the end of the day, Virginia. Yeah, but man, that DMV stuff is a little different, man. Like, I got to claim the 757. Like, if I say Virginia, you know, out of state people be like, oh, okay, Virginia, that's what's up. But DMV people be like, nah. Oh, she went from like, Newport News, yeah. Hampton. Yeah. No, that, that's 75. That's 757. Okay. You know, I don't even know if Richmond people can really claim DMV. They could probably get away with it, but really like Fredericksburg and Alexandria and all of that stuff, Crystal City, all that, all that area up there. Okay. You know what I mean? But nonetheless, we I say that to say we have a ton of Washington football team fans around. And my uh, one of my childhood friends, the brother of my best friend, he said a long time ago when he went to church one day, Deacon had told him that the Redskins were cursed because their name was a racial slur. We might have been, he might have been uh, 16 at the time, which would have made me about 13 or 14. So listen, a long, long time ago. Yeah, it was very interesting to hear that. That was kind of like one of the first times I heard somebody even speak on that, right? And uh, so well, I'm trying to do the math here because the the Washington squad won a ring in the early '90s. I do remember that. Yeah, so it was, it was after that ring, but they okay. hadn't won anything. Yeah, it was after that ring, and they hadn't won anything in a while. And when he was speaking on it, and that's what the deacon said. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so it, it kind of like it kind it was weird because, like you said, that's the first thing you think of. Well, they won before. But then as you start to realize how long it's been since they won, I can only go from the time that I heard that statement being made. And they ain't won nothing since. Right. Actually, <laughs> they've only had stuff. tragic things happen. <laughs> exactly. So um, it's one of those it's one of those situations, man, where I hadn't thought about it, you know, in that context before then. Mm-hmm. But I'm also a kid and I'm not thinking about a bunch of stuff at that time. Right. You know, when We're it comes to the history of the world. Exactly. And so when I heard that, that, that made me actually think of how it was offensive. And then I thought about, you know, all of the other names that they could be, you know. And, um, you know, we, we hate Florida State. Uh, no shade. <laughs> but I was like, you know, well, maybe they can call themselves the Seminoles or adopt another another tribe name or whatever. Just thinking. But um, after hearing that, I, I thought it was pretty interesting that it took so long for them to even address it. But the beauty of everything was the climate and the tone changed once the world was in an uproar after George Floyd's murder. And so these corporations and shareholders, like FedEx, it's FedEx Field. When they say we're going to take the name off the stadium, we're going to stop supporting you. And Nike's like, yo, we're not going to sell your merch. Yeah, like it got they started hitting the pockets, pockets. <laughs> it got real. And I think that's the kind of acknowledgement that we got to have when we speak on that. And, um, yeah, man, I just, I think it's pretty cool. You know, how you feel about it? See, with the whole changing of the name, I, I made it a conscious effort last season on the podcast to not call them by that name because I knew mm-hmm. I knew it was wrong. But yeah. I'm also seeing these statistics out here. I don't know if they're true or not, but they're saying that a lot of natives are not mm-hmm. even thinking about the name. They don't really care. I don't know how true that is, mm-hmm. but... I'm like, this still needs to, like, if they had a team called the the Washington N-Words, I'd be upset, regardless if right. somebody else is not upset or not. It's still wrong, right. the way it goes. Yep. And I was trying yep. to figure and out how they even got to the, the, the name in the first place. Well, I mean, when you made it in 1933, just think about it. Mm. <laughs> 
Think about it. You know, the main thing with the Cowboys and Indians was a thing, you know, back then, like yeah. John Wayne, they were considered to be the villain. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's like, you got that whole dynamic going on and, you know, that just goes to show you how long some bigotry can last in this country, man. It's just, it's something that needs to be addressed. It's not something that I honestly admit that I was super passionate about only because I feel like that's something that the Native Americans would need to bring more and more to the forefront. And I saw some that did. Mm-hmm. And I did see some other others that kind of didn't have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that I didn't want that battle fought but I'm only going to fight as hard as you fight. You know what I'm saying? And so it's not that I didn't want to see it changed. I definitely thought it should have been changed, but it wasn't something that I was going to, you know, go to the top of the hill and yell for, you know what I mean? But I definitely appreciate it happening. And um, it's interesting. So just to have a little, you know, a little fun with it. I heard a couple of names out there. (laughs) Yeah, a couple (laughs) of names I liked. So we got the Washington Red Hawk, Mm -hmm. the Washington Red Tail, Mm -hmm. the Washington Warrior, which I thought about way back then. I ain't gonna lie. The Washington Wolves or the Red Wolves. How you feel about it? I personally want to go with the Red Tails because there's already one Warriors team that I can't stand. So two? (laughs) Alliteration, man. You gotta go with the alliteration. Yeah, that's cool and all that, but (laughs) they had a team in the NBA called the Washington Bullets and that eventually changed. So Fire. That shit was fire. That shit go back. That's because DC was nuts back then. You don't mean that. I mean it wholeheartedly. <laughs> the jerseys were fire. Man, I, listen, bro. Like the Washington Wizards is just like I I get the alliteration, but man, oh man, that was dumb. Wizards? That's why that franchise ain't supported right now. Wizards are hard. <laughs> but, it, <laughs> but but um Red Tails, I'm a little I don't I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Just because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the the movie. You know, well, I'm thinking of what it, what it stood for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, man, listen, Red Hawks. I'm not down for because I feel like we got a lot of birds. You yeah, know what I'm saying? We don't, need, we don't need a, we don't need more birds. And I'm not mad at the wolves. I'm not mad at them. <sighs> they they need to come up with some more names. I feel because I mean, you can howl. You know what I'm saying? Like a a, a real wolf howl is hard. Like imagine them playing that at the beginning of the game. That's kind of hard. Yeah, you but what's, what makes them di- different than the Minnesota Timberwolves? They're both howling. Yeah, but this time they're playing football, man. You can't be a wolf hooping. Hooping is different, man. You got to chill with the animals when it comes to hooping, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? You're not in the jungle or nothing like that, man. You on the court. That's why, what you going to have a wizard for? What's some magic? Man, we don't need that mess, man. Bullet, dog. All right. <laughs> All right. This is where I wouldn't expect you to go. <laughs> but, uh, no, I say all that to say that I, I really appreciate what they're doing. Um, I really appreciate what they're doing with the name change. I respect it. Um, they said they're going to keep the same color scheme. No, um, I think they should change everything if they're going to change the name. <clears throat> yeah, I think this is an opportunity to fully rebrand. And hopefully if they were to rebrand, then uh, they could definitely do some things. Uh, I heard when Daniel Snyder bought the team, uh, that he also bought the rights to the Arena Football League franchise if they were to expand and have that. Mm-hmm. And so one of the names at that time, of course, was the Washington Warriors. And that's why that was one of the main names that was brought up as well. Um, but 
yeah, I, it, it would be nice to see a change of color. If you're going to change everything, you might as well just kind of play with a couple of things. And I'm not saying take out, you know, everything. You can keep the maroon, you know what I mean? But maybe you could do something else with it, you know, or the burgundy. You could you kind of freak it. Um, now that I'm looking at these names, I'm kind of a person of Red Wolves. That sounds kind of dope. Red Wolves? It's hard, man. It's hard. I'm not mad at that. that but whole then again, it's a lot of red, you know, colored teams out there. Like us, yeah. our our teams, the, you got yeah. the Texans, they have red in theirs. You got the Cardinals, you got the Patriots. Like you have to find a way to be original with that. You got to do your accent color right, man. You know, but it's all kinds of stuff you could do with a wolf, man. You got force you could put with that thing, man, the whole nine. So, True. you know, they got, they got that work in there, huh? And their, their due diligence that they need to do, but uh, you know, better late than never. I'll say definitely. So when it comes to everything with um with the state of the NFL, I feel like this is a a good uh, conclusion to part one. Yeah. Um, Pretty sure there'll be more news coming out soon. Definitely, and we're gonna stay current and try to implement that in uh, as we do this series. Um, again, this is our platform to speak freely and do it how we see fit so at any point in time we want to make some changes we can but uh did you have any other thoughts no that's pretty much it i pretty much got all my thoughts out now i have to go learn the black national anthem apparently bro i'm not about to learn that thing i'm just gonna hum it out all i'm not about to learn that bro listen man we gonna make a fuss about this anthem and not stand for it we gotta learn the bna hey man you look at my skin you know i don't need no damn anthem <laughs> black bro and I ain't gonna do that to nobody else <laughs> I feel you but uh yeah I think that's everything on my end yeah same here man you can find us on Instagram at the Gridiron Guys podcast we appreciate those who are supporting us you know keep sharing keep liking keep commenting you know if you mm-hmm. feel some kind of way about anything we said on this here episode please feel free to drop us a line definitely we've got more in the works coming soon we are officially back yes sir Right now, season two, on and popping. What's going on, y'all? That was episode one of our four-part series. This is the Gridiron Guys podcast with your boy, Sean Pesos. And your boy, Russ Digi. Episode two, we'll be speaking on the intersection between the history of the black man in America and the NFL combine and draft process. So check us out.